Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek on Hump Day. Doesn't let friends feed kibble. Good morning, Dr. Jasek. Good morning. No kibble on hump day or any day of the week. Right, right. And I'm still getting, well, I feed premium kibble. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know. You know what else? You know what else I, I keep running into and it, it's, it's, it's frustrating in a way because, you know, I talk to people about the nutrition and, and then they seem to get it. Okay. No kibble. And, and I explain to them why no kibble and, and that, you know, so it's the processed carbs and the toxins and it's poor nutrition, but then I'll get questions like, but can I still feed milk bones? It's like, no, <laughs> yeah. not understand that. How about greenies? Greenies are the little green molded toothbrush things that are supposed to clean dog's teeth that are all starch like no it's 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 all the same and there's no cheating because even a little bit of this processed crap is is bad for is bad for pets you know i mean i'm seeing cancer in younger and younger patients all the time and this is a big part of it and it's so easy to remedy just feed the fresh food diet so I don't know why people do this. So I'm going to ask you. Um, <laughs> I probably don't know either. <laughs> but I, so I was talking to someone the other day. And of course, we always say, what all is going in? Well, I'm doing this and, 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 and. And one of the things that this particular pet parent was doing was adding in Bragg's, okay, the brand Bragg's yeah, yeah. nutritional yeast. Now, why why are they doing that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> To repel mosquitoes, I heard. I have heard it's good for that because it's okay. high in it's high in B vitamins. <laughs> okay, but I was like, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, there were a lot of things going into this dog. Uh, another thing that I think Carnivore is putting out, Doctor JC, because some type of grains and nuts oh, additive, and so this particular dog was having what would look like, you know, acid reflex, right? Some burping, uh, mm-hmm. licking of the lips and that sort of thing. But there were about seven different things that were going into the diet. So I said, listen, uh, I really think that we should just pull everything out and just do food so we can see what's going on first, right? Mm-hmm. Because I can't tell all these different probiotics and the carnivore this and the greenies that. And and this dog, you know, I... I They've done a great marketing job because people think that greenies are great for their teeth. And um, so anyway, yeah, I I had that situation where I'm just so I, I'm I'm just amazed. I tell you what, if we had like toppers and and grains and nuts, we could sell the crap out of it, Dr. The sphincter out of it because yeah. people love giving that stuff to their dogs. You know what the you know what the real problem is, Dee Dee? You can't stick a marketing label on those frozen chubs because it, it won't stick there you know, know it makes it hard to put these you know fancy claims like they do on the bags because you can't stick it to your products because that's well, all it is 
is all words create a market. I know we were at uh, Costco yesterday is our first trip to Costco since we moved to Tennessee because it's an hour away. Um, but we decided we got to go, you know, we had to up. go to town. We, we had, had to go, go to, to it, town. We went to Nashville, big city. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> a big city. Um, it's on the west side, so we didn't have to spend too much time in the city. But but anyway, I'm walking around and, you know, we're just kind of cruising the aisles because, you know, we, there's lots of stuff we'd like to stock up on. And, you know, I want to make sure we won't forget anything. Anyway, I go by the dog food and I'm like, oh, there's that like salmon and sweet potato. I mean, like, oh, my God, I, so many people tell me they feed this. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I have so many clients that tell me they're feeding that. And and then I see the box of the Kirkland greenies, you know, like their version of the greenies. And I'm like, oh, good Lord, how many people are walking out with boxes and boxes of that stuff because they're cheaper than the greenies by name, which I think are made by pedigree or something. Yeah, that stuff, it's just crap. I mean, spend spend 30 seconds brushing your dog's teeth with some coconut oil. It's going to do them so much more good. Right. So, you know, I... And I, um, I don't have all of this. We're going to have to do an in-depth study of this at another podcast. But there, there is a program out there from from um, a teacher named Nora, or and I think she, Nora's written a book and she does all of this. They have one meat day a week. Okay, one about one meat day a week. Um, her premise is that allergies. Um, all types of cancers and everything like that. Any problem that you have with your dog is due to high fat foods because high fat contains all the toxins and therefore you don't want to feed fat to your dog. And so I had someone that said, Hey, I need a low fat. And I said, well, how low you want to go? And um, they wanted like a 3% fat. And I said, in raw, in real like world, not, not even possible, is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And um, so th- there was a lot of incorrect information um, from this the girl who wanted to do good for her dog. But she was talking about that the fat in raw is by weight. It's not by percentage. And I was like, well, no, that's not really true. And um, but nevertheless, I'm going to get you over uh, because the, this this girl does have a site and these folks are following her. And I and I talked to Neely about it a little bit. And Neely said, look, they get one um, meat meal a week. They eat a lot of fruits and veggies. Uh, she said, so they're going to be very, very low in fat. I have no idea if these dogs are healthy. I have no idea if there's any kind of validation behind it. But I will say this, Dr. Jason, it doesn't matter what you feed. If you fed shoes to dogs, there would be a blog out there or somebody that said, my dog does yeah. great on on leather shoes. So what are they feeding the other days of the week? Just fruits and veggies? Yeah, I, I was going to see if I could. Um, and one of the reasons I'm um, kind of stumbling around this morning, folks, is because my my computer, have you ever had this? We, we've got a meeting, you've got something coming up. And uh, your computer just dies. Yeah, just yeah. gone. It's always at the worst time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so you have nothing. You're flying blind. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing today. Uh, we got our blind. We got our blindfolds on today. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, I was going to try to find that while we're talking and see if we can. Bring we know. 
you know, my, my whole thing is, you know, Didi, I'm a big proponent of eating fat. You know, it's, it's, I think fat has a lot of value, but whenever I hear dogs need low fat, and I hear this all the time because of all these dogs with supposed pancreatitis, which I question as we've talked about, but nobody talks about the differences in the different fats. So you've got your you know, your trans fats, which I think pretty much everybody agrees these days that those are evil. Those are your margarines and your Crisco and all that. But then then the polyunsaturated vegetable oils, your canolas and sunflower and corn oil and so- soybean oil in clear bottles in the grocery store. You know, these oils are not stable. They're, you know, they're light sensitive and heat sensitive. So they're probably all all toxic. And when you, if you, if you cook anything, that's why if you see those in, uh, in kibble, they're so bad because kibble is processed at such high temperatures. So those fats are bad. And I think it's true that fat does store toxins in, um, so, so if it's an unhealthy animal, feedlot animal pumped full of drugs, very stressed, very toxic, those fats are not going to be healthy. But if you're talking well-sourced saturated animal fats, which I am a huge fan of because they're high in the fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin D and K2 and vitamin A, and they, they're they very, very good for the animal. But nobody ever talks about sourcing. It's just like fat is bad. And I also think in programs like this that, you know, I was asked the question, what was the dog eating before? It's just like if a person is eating McDonald's and Burger King and they switch to a vegan diet, yeah, they're probably going to feel really great for a while until they become malnourished. And it's the same thing with a diet like this. Dogs on some crappy kibble diet, this is like doing a fast. It's like doing a cleanse. Yeah, it's probably going to help them in the short term, but in the long term, they're, you know, they're going to end up malnourished. So I just sent you the link in your text, and this is the diet that is out there. So it is plant days, meat days, and fast days for the dog. So you have a meat day every other day, then you're doing plants, and then you're doing fast. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I don't know. But again, I'm very suspect when we look at super duper low fat uh, yeah. if, if for, for our carnivores. Now, yeah, and, can, and can you even get enough of the you know, the meat and the organs and all those things, the bone that provide all that nutrition, you're not going to, you know, if you're only feeding it two or three days a week or whatever that works out to, you you know, you're just not going to get enough nutrition. Right. Now, I like a lot of things that they say. They say, you know, they do alternative medicine, which obviously we're great fans of because you're here and, Mm -hmm. uh, and let the body heal itself. Um, So I think that that's good. It's just that when People come to me and they say, do you, do you have 3% fat? I'm like, no, I don't. Uh, Wolfram Plus is probably the lowest. That's going to be somewhere around an 8% fat. But again, I just don't, uh, I don't advocate for that low of fat. So I don't have it. Right. So. And what's, and that's the other thing, like you said before, what's this based on too? Is it based on, you know, you know, any kind of real, you know, research or, science or, I mean, a lot of research is bogus these days, but like, what's, what's this based on? Like, how did she decide that fat is causing all these, causing all these problems? How did, how did she decide that this is, 
a better diet. And what's going on with these dogs in a year, if they're not getting proper, you know, proper nutrition, I think I, I, um, I sent you, I don't remember the name of that is a company in California that makes these home cooked meals for dogs. And it's just like, basically like a stew. They were a little, had a little high in starch, but you know, fresh ingredients. And they, every, the, every day is a different recipe. So people go to the store, remember what city, if it was San Francisco or Sacramento, or one of those best cities in California, but, um, happy, but they hound. Would go, they, happy hound. Yep. And then they have a different recipe every single day. And so this lady was like all about this. Well, she has this puppy with this horrible osteodystrophy. And what that is, is where, the bones don't develop correctly and the joints get incredibly swollen. Like the bones just are sort of breaking down. And this puppy, I mean, so this puppy had to be hospitalized and put on pain. It was so painful that, you know, like kind of a last resort, you know, prior to euthanasia, because this puppy was so painful. And we're talking like three or four month old puppy. Uh, they put hospital. Yeah. They hospitalized it, put it on IV pain meds just to control the pain, they got the pain controlled. And now the puppy's doing better, but this diet, it had meat had, you know, they all had some like potato or some starch in and then some veggies. And I'm looking at it. And I said, are they doing a supplement? Like, are they at least throwing a multivitamin or this is not what I recommend, but like, there's no mineral in here, nothing. Well, no wonder this puppy has deformed bones is all nutritional. Now this puppy was also an orphan. So it was bottle fed. So probably maybe didn't start off with the best skeletal structure because of that. I don't know what it was bottle fed with. It's it's the mom was killed, hit by a car. And so the, the, the whole litter was orphaned. And, and um, so they were bottle fed by a, by a rescue. So I don't know what that was, but so probably didn't have the best bone structure to begin with, but you know, you, you gotta be really careful. And I looked at their website and they, they showed how to do like a transition. It did not say, you know, this is supplemental feeding or, you know, you need to add in other foods or anything. It just said it's a complete diet. And that's really, really bad. Cause that is, I mean, you know, dogs will be, will be, you could be euthanized, you know, just because of the pain. If, and, and this puppy may have deformed legs, you know, it may never, probably never will be a hundred percent. Now, if we can get it out of pain and it, you know, it's not going to lead a super active lifestyle, you know, and that's kind of what this client was accepting for this puppy, but there's, there's just not adequate nutrition in there. You know, I mean, it's, and it really, it, it, you know, it's really disturbing that people will put out these diets and they're really malnourishing the pets and people just buy into it. Oh, that sounds like a great idea that, you know, they just, they just listen to the marketing and then, you know, several years down the road, we're seeing them for all sorts of, all sorts of issues. Yeah. But you know, if it makes money, I mean, they're not going to talk about it. I was just looking at, um, I don't know if you've seen, the uh, new documentary on the vaccines, on the COVID vaccine. It, it's out by uh, Epoch Times. And then there's this whole controversy going on right now uh, with Dr. Oh gosh, his name just went out of my head uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast. So Joe Rogan uh, was, this guy was an advocate, right? Talking about how great the the COVID vaccine was. And yet we know everything that he has said is, is in direct opposition of that. And so 
the news is coming out and saying you can't they uh, Joe Rogan wants him to debate with Robert Kennedy Jr. Right. Mm-hmm. Robert Kennedy Jr. And Robert Kennedy's like, yeah, I'll, I'll debate you. Joe Rogan put out one hundred thousand dollars. He's like, I'll give you one hundred thousand dollars if you debate him because you're this doctor. Right. And you're talking about this stuff that that we know has been debunked. And uh, but he won't debate uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. And so the the news is coming on saying, well, you can't debate conspiracy theorists. <laughs> we're uh-huh. like, OK, what's well, not a conspiracy when we have all this documentation? But here's here's I watched this documentary last night. And I think what is so, um, as I always say, it when I watch it, I think how much we might be being fooled. I'm going to just put might be in there uh, in in the veterinary world, in the in the dog health world. Right. Because you have these actual human beings who can go and say, you know, I can't walk. Uh, The left side of my body is paralyzed and the doctors will actually tell them it's in their head. Mm -hmm. It's in your head. Now, you've got a person, a human being who can actually describe to you what is happening in many of these people. You can visually see it and you still have the healthcare community saying it's all in your head. Now, take that and now we're going into the dog world, right? They can't say a thing. They can't really communicate with us, not like Mm -mm. a human. Mm -mm. And yet our pet parents are treated like that on a on a constant basis i hear my pet parents all the time say i went in and you know my my vet acted like i was crazy and i know that you just did a doctor's rounds uh with dogs naturally and you guys were talking about vaccines um tell us a little bit about um what went on in that discussion about vaccines where did that go and what were you hoping to accomplish? Well, we we opened it, we opened this particular doctor's rounds up for discussion about uh, vaccine mandates for pets and how people were dealing with them. And and my goal was to try to give people some, you know, some ammunition, some things that they could say when they go into the vet and they're told, well, we can't see your pet without you know, uh, getting vaccines updated and maybe some conversations that people can have when they go into the vet. Cause the only way around it is pushing back. I mean, you could find, I mean, some people did find clinics that were more willing to work with them, but like some people were coming on and saying, yeah, I found a clinic like that and it's four hours away. So when my pet has an emergency or I don't have a whole day to take my pet in somewhere, um, or I have to wait weeks for an appointment, like I have to go somewhere, somewhere locally. And it, it makes it really, really challenging. But the people that have had the best results are the ones that go in and have a non-confrontational conversation. We actually suggested just go make an appointment with your vet without your pet, just to go in and have this conversation, you know, pay for an office visit. And just go in and sit down and say, look, I, this is, I, I don't believe in these vaccines. I don't, I don't want to give them to my pet and I'd appreciate if you work with me. And if not, I'll take my business elsewhere and they'll think you're kooky and, you know, but so what, you know, but this is what I think you have to do 
to um to to get around this it it isn't going to go away as as you know um i heard actually it was robert f kennedy junior said you cannot comply your way out of tyranny like this is not going to go away unless you stop start pushing back and stop complying and vote with vote with your dollar um you know I, you just you just have to and yeah they're difficult they're um uncomfortable conversations and they might just tell you to you know go jump and then you leave and go go find someplace else you know we we have to start pushing back and you have to be also really really sure if you take your pet in and they're taking the pet like into the back of the clinic like you know for procedures blood draws sometimes they'll just take your pet and go back and and draw the blood or whatever they're doing and then bring it back up to you lots of pets get like they'll check the records and they just give them the vaccines while they're back there without you know coming and asking you first so you have to also have to make sure you get in writing everything that they are going to do to your pet and they should you know they should sit down a veterinarian i i would say you know, make that appointment. You're going to pay them for their time. Could we go through, go over the package insert on these vaccines you want to give my pet? Let's go read through them and let's make a decision as to whether or not these are appropriate for my pet. Because I can guarantee you 99% of veterinarians have never read them. And it does say on there, like it lists potential side effects on the vaccines. It says they should only be given to healthy animals. What and what's in them? What preservatives? What you know? What else is in there besides the you know antigen we're trying to build protection against? And sit and have that conversation. And I would think for an, if it's an open-minded veterinarian, you know, maybe that'll help them change how they look at things a little bit. And and if not, go someplace else. But those are the types of conversations you're going to need to be having. It is up to the pet parents to change this. It is not going to change on its own. The, the vets are, are too close-minded. They're bought into the sales pitch from the pharmaceutical reps, and they're not going to change, um, it, you know, unless they're, unless they're pushed to do so. Well, and the other problem that I see, Dr. JC, because let's say that you did take a dog back or your dog does go back and they, you've said, do not give my dog any vaccines that I have not approved of. Don't do it. And they do it anyway. Well, what, where, where who's going to get in trouble? They're not going to get in trouble. What, what recourse do we have as parents if they just say, blow it out your sphincter, I'm going to shoot your dog up? I, I would report them to their, to the state board. Now, they may not, nothing may come of that, but... It is it, any time a state, uh, the veterinary board in in a state gets a complaint, they're obligated to investigate it. They have to send the letter to the veterinarian. I can assure you, it's like the worst thing as a veterinarian to get one of those letters. I've I've had some bogus complaints sent in, mm -hmm. and it's it's horrible. It's like it's like you're trying so hard to to work and to do a good job and to do right by your patients. And then somebody, you know, turned you in. I, I actually had a, a clinic turn me in because I encourage people to push back. Well, I had a client that went into a clinic and pushed back. And that practice owner turned me into the to the state board um, anonymously. So I'm sure nothing will, will come of it. But it's, 
it's a pain because I have to sit and compose a letter. You know, you have the, the, the board has to respond to a complaint and you have to respond to the board. You know, you, you have to write a letter back explaining the circumstances. And so make it, un- make it uncomfortable for them. And honestly, if they're not practicing informed consent, that is against the practice act. You know, it, it, I know it was, it was very explicit in Colorado. I don't think it's written so explicitly in in the state I'm in now in Tennessee, but, you know, read your practice act. You, you can pull it up online, just whatever state you're in, your state, and then veterinary practice act or practice code or something like that. Those guidelines should be published and you can read that. And that's something else you can say, like, look, you're supposed to be providing me with, with informed consent and explaining this to me, not that no veterinarian should ever do a procedure without consent. I mean, it's the same if one of us went into a human doctor and, you know, they did something to you that they did not authorize. You know, you have to sign all these forms and all this stuff. It's because they, you have to authorize them to do things. Well, like I said, the pets can't do that. You know, they, they can't, you know, speak up. So they just take them in back and do their stuff, update the vaccines and, and don't, don't circle back to the pet parent because you're operating as that representative. But um, that, in my opinion, that's malpractice. They should not be doing anything on your pet without your consent. They shouldn't be trimming the toenails without your consent. I mean, seriously, this is your, you know, your animal and it, you are its representative. It's like if you took a child in, you know, somebody under 18, they to have somebody sign off on everything that's done. So I would turn it, make it uncomfortable for them. I, it's not like I, and that's like, I mean, I know it's like the worst thing a vet ever wants is to get that letter from the board, but I'm so sick of hearing about how, People cannot get any kind of care without vaccines. They understand these aren't good, but then they don't have work around. So I, I say we need to push back and make it a little uncomfortable for these practitioners, make them think a little bit. Well, I think on the human side, there was a precedent set in the last three years that says, we don't yeah. care what you want. We're going to do yeah. what we want to do to you. Absolutely. And this started, this was, this was not the case pre-COVID. This whole mentality of just that—that—that that, um, that officials, doctors, whoever can can decide what's best for you, and it's not—it's no longer your choice. It's not my body, my choice, or my pet, my choice. And I think it escalated in veterinary medicine because people could not go in with their pets for a couple of years, and they just take the animals in, and you're just communicating on the phone. And and I really told people then, like. You make sure they you sign an, an estimate for everything they're proposing to do. Don't tell them not to do anything because they're not even in the building with their pet. You know, they just sent the pet on in the door. And like that just changed everything. Never used to be like this. Yeah. One of my clients, uh, one of my customers was talking to us the other day and their pet went in and they said, I'm going back with you. That I think it was a dental. And they were like, well, we don't usually do that. And they were like, well, I, I know, but I'm coming back. <laughs> And they did. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, when I watch the documentaries and I don't know if um, people are afraid to watch these documentaries because it is, it is, it's frightening that the people that were in the trials, right. For, for the COVID, uh, COVID facts mm-hmm. and injured 
they thought, all right, if I get injured, I'm going to get help. These people didn't get help. Yeah. I mean, they they have had to come together. There are many people who are still in wheelchairs who can't hold their head up that um, are are eating out of a feeding tube. I mean, all of these things oh. that 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 have happened to them. Right. And again, um, you know, Dr. Uh, Connor Brady talks about this four step process of own the information, uh, teach the information, incentivize the information. And then the last step of deny, deny, deny and mm-hmm. till you can't deny anymore. And that's really what they do. Um, that when these patients go in and you're here on this documentary where one of the girls has got the head, I think he's the head of the FDA, but he says, we still can't find any safety signals. And and she's like, you, you can't find any safety signals. I mean, it's like they're everywhere, right? All of these problems that are happening, people committing suicide, this and that. And they still will not admit they just keep saying we we can't find it, therefore we can't publish any information and we can't stop anything. It, it is insane. It is absolute insanity. And so I go back again and I say, when I see this in the human side, I cringe at what is happening on the dog side because mm-hmm. we just assume if a dog, a puppy like what you see constantly, Dr. Jasek, is uh, rife with cancer. It just happens. Bad breeding, bad luck of the draw. But you know what? If we could come together, if we had a scoreboard, like a VAERS for dogs, if we had a scoreboard mm-hmm. and we said this many dogs are having these issues, maybe we would get a better picture, but we don't. It's We're like in a bubble, our own little homes, you know, well, my dog, but you know, died of cancer at an early age. And you and I see it all the time because we talk to these pet parents constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And we're I like, had one, I had one, um, the earliest or the youngest cancer patient, 10 months old, uh, oral tumor. Oh. Like, I mean, uh, pretty soon are going to be treating, you know, well, that is a puppy actually like young puppies. It's like children with leukemia, you know, they just, they just keep, keep getting younger. Well, what happens to young dogs, they get walloped with all these vaccines. Yeah. And then they get crazy information. So this was crazy to me. And let me share this with you. I don't get your opinion. Um, this particular puppy, 13 months old, uh, not it's out in Pennsylvania. They are not customers of ours, but they heard about the podcast and they needed some guidance and needed some help. So they called and he said, "My, I, I'm a raw feeder. Uh, I have been, and uh, my dog got parvo, was in the veterinary hospital for a couple of weeks on IV fluids. They really scared him. They said, oh my gosh, you know, the white blood count is down and all this kind of stuff. And um, you cannot in this recovery. So the dog is home. In the recovery, you're not able to feed raw because we can't let any bacteria get into this immune compromised Parvo recovering puppy. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, she won't eat the prescription food. And I said, right. And I said, well, put her back on raw. And he was like, yeah, but you know, am I, am I compromising my dog's health? <laughs> and and I said, why do you think that? 
I mean, you're, you've been a raw feeder, right? You understand the benefit of it, but they convinced him this recovering parvo dog should not eat raw. So I'm going to ask you, what do you think about that? Oh yeah. I think that's just ridiculous. It, <laughs> it's, it's based on these, it's the same thing. Like I hear this all the time too, that cancer patients shouldn't eat raw, especially right. if people do choose to get chemotherapy which I don't recommend, but if people choose that, then they're definitely told, oh my gosh, you, you know, you cannot feed raw because they're going to be immunocompromised. And, you know, my solution to that is, well, let's not do the chemo and let's not immunocompromise them in the first place. But nonetheless, they still need proper nutrition. So it's like you're, you're going to poison the body and not, and then not give them proper nutrition to to help give their body a, a chance to recover from that. And, and the same with parvo. Parvo is it's tough disease, you know, tough disease, and puppies re- recovering from that need proper nutrition. But that's it's all based on this assumption. It's like there's this assumption in conventional veterinary medicine that raw food, like any raw food, is just laden with, with pathogenic bacteria and parasites. Like where does that even come from? Like, it's just all full of bacteria. Yeah, it's full of a lot of bacteria. And there's a lot of good bacteria because most bacteria are beneficial. And that's the very thing that's going to help that gut in that puppy that's recovering from parvo. It's going to help that gut heal and help those good bacteria in the meat are going to help replenish that microbiome. You know, I, I don't, I mean, so I don't recommend people I know some people do, but I don't recommend people just go to the grocery store and buy meat and feed it raw because we don't know what's in that meat or who's been touching it or how many times it's been handled or how long has it been sitting out in the case. But uh, but I, I know a food like like yours, Didi, that you know it's 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 processed well. It's you know the people know what they're doing. The ingredients come in fresh. It's put together right away. It's frozen right away. There's nothing there's nothing bad in that food. It's it's nothing but good nutrition. This is just this propaganda that all raw food is bad. And, you know, ask, I would ask that vet, where are you getting that information from? I can guarantee you there's no sound research or any sound information showing that raw food is inherently laden with, you know, pathogenic bacteria. And even, even if, it did have some bacteria in it that maybe wasn't that great. Most dogs can, can handle that. Okay. You know, and, and, but the, the products like yours and they're, they're perfectly safe and they're good nutrition. So, you know, why deny the dogs, you know, good nutrition? Well, it goes right back to the same uh, antics, the same mentality, the same protocol as we see just watch that documentary. It will explain so much about why we get this kind of craziness coming out of the veterinary world, right? Where it's, all right, my dog can't get up. My dog collapsed. Oh, it must be the raw food. Really? Because I think it's that flea and tick and heartworm medicine that you just gave your dog, right? Or it's the toxins or some type of thing. We, I mean, when, Dr. Jasek, when you, I know you eat really healthy. When you eat healthy, do you collapse on the floor? Do you just fall over and wobble? Not, not usually. Not unless I've had too many margaritas. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, right. So, it, I mean, it's just, 
it, it, it's craziness. However, fear sells. And that is what our pet parents experience. They're afraid. Okay, I've, I've been told that if I do this thing, right? If I feed real food that I might kill my dog. And yet they never get the uh, informed consent that says, you do understand that if we're going to uh, paralyze a pest, right? A flea, a tick, you know, a mosquito, whatever. So we're gonna just we're gonna have to give your dog a little poison. You're all right with that. I mean, this poison is just yeah, it's just a little bit every month. I don't know how much it accumulates. I mean, you might get cancer, but I mean, isn't it worth it to kill the mosquito? I mean, it's just come on. Yeah. Or these like year-long um, you know, heartworm injections. You give the injection once a year, and that so you can't take that out. It's injected, and if your dog reacts to that in some way. Like I, I'd much rather do something monthly. At least you can stop it if th- things don't go well. Not that I recommend those products, but certainly don't put an injection in your pet that lasts for a year that that you can't take back out. It, it, it is, it's, it's poison. And I do think that it adds up over time. That's why, you know, the cancer patients I see, the, the majority of them, not all of them, the majority of them been on these products year after year, month after month. So it's been the slow poisoning. And now we've got cancer in a body that's being poisoned for eight or 10 years. Right. I mean, it's, it makes it really tough to treat. And I'll tell you, it's getting harder and harder um, to, to treat some of these cases. Well, and here's what I would say to my listeners is Google alternative or holistic flea and tick or heartworm. The the recipes are out there. There's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of things you can do. Okay. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of things that will not um, cause your pet harm. It's the same in the human side. Would you rather put DDT on your skin, right? To keep away the pest. Or would you rather put some essential oil, right? I mean, come on, guys. We, we just got to take that little step further. And I know that reading is become a lost art. It is, right? But you got to just Google and find something that is holistic. Or my biggest recommendation would be to uh, set up a consult with Dr. Judy Jasek. She's still Zooming all over the world. She's still helping uh, people all over the world doing talks with dogs naturally. Uh, we've got a cancer webinar that is coming up. It is coming up. We keep saying it, but it is coming up. I think I'm seeing uh, Dr. Jasek uh, a light at the end of the tunnel, and maybe it's not a train. Um, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> and, then, and then I can uh, get this get this going. But um, yeah, you got to get over and see Dr. Jasek. That's at a h a vet.com a h a vet.com if you're in the tennessee area are you are you going to do any uh patients or are you still going to just do telemed out there i'm going to do mostly telemedicine you know i i do have the ability to do ozone so for people in the area you know i might i might do some of that on a limited basis i i don't officially have my um license yet because my um i i had to you had to do a background check and so I had to be fingerprinted. So I got fingerprinted before I left Colorado thinking I'm going to be on top of this. And then 
the my fingerprints edit because it's all done electronically now and my fingerprints got rejected because one of them was smudged or whatever anyway so I got re-fingerprinted two weeks ago so hopefully I think that should be the last I think I have everything else into them that they have a reciprocity thing I just have to prove you know that I'm legit and everything and this background check is kind of the last steps anyway once that all goes through, I should get the final okay. And then, you know, if people in Tennessee area contact, I mean, I, I have a client that um, I saw regularly in Colorado that moved to Mississippi and they, they've driven up twice now with their two dogs for ozone treatment, six hours. So oh, I bet they're thrilled. <laughs> they're very devoted. Yeah. They're like, you know, so we compare notes, uh, you know, they're not selling me on Mississippi, but um <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be in Tennessee when they say, oh, it's 90% humidity here every single day. Oh, um, yeah. How is that? Are you adjusting to the humidity? Do you like it? You know, I, to me, it's not that bad. Now, today, it's kind of, it's a, it's like a light rain day. So it's, it's very humid today. I mean, it might be 90% today, but for the most part, it's about 50%. It's not that bad. I mean, it's more than Colorado and you sweat more, but it's not like, it's not like 90% every day, like, you know, today is, but it's, but it's cool today. It's like in the seventies. So I don't know. I'm, we, we haven't had that, you know, 90 degree temperature, 90% humidity. We haven't, I haven't seen any of that. Like today it's in the seventies and with a little breeze, even if it's humid, it's, it's just not, I actually really like the weather here so far. I don't know if this is an, an unusual year, but I'm like, it's not, it's not too bad. I haven't seen a lot of bugs. You know, you talk about fleas and ticks and, um, I've seen a few ticks. I mean, I've flipped a couple off of me, but you know, I, I don't know. I just sit and worry about it. If I, if we were more heavily wooded where we are, like right around our house, we might have more, but I, I'd never use that toxic stuff on my pet ever. I think I'd move first. You know, I just, I just wouldn't do it. You know what I, I am, I wanted to mention on that. Um, I had a client telling me about, it wasn't, and I'm, I'm blanking on the uh, the name of the product, but it was a herbal combination. So dried garlic can help. Um, you just give it orally. There is a, a company called Springtime. They make a product called Bug Off that's a dried garlic that I've heard helps. But this other company, who I'll, I'll have to look up the name, um, they do they combine garlic with some other herbs like nettle and um, there's some enzymatic. I think maybe papayan or something from pineapple. Anyway, it was an herbal blend that they were giving their dog orally. And they live in a heavy tick. I think they were in New Jersey. They said they have heavy, heavy ticks where they live. And they said they use that in combination with the sprays. And they said, this is the first time they've been able to like not have a tick problem. Like, you know, they still find them, but she says a lot of times the ticks will be dead or, um, they're, they're not, not very viable. So those products are out there and they do work, especially if you use combinations of the orals and the topicals and the topicals, you got to apply them a lot. Like, you know, I mean, just apply them a lot. I make up my own little essential oil spray, leave it by the door. If, you know, it's going to go outside and it's buggy, then, you know, I, I put that on, but it just, it just hasn't been that much of a problem. You sit, if you sit outside in the evening, eh, you know, get a few mosquitoes, but I don't know. It it just hasn't been that bad. I'll see. It haven't gotten into July and August. <laughs> Don't ask me in September how the summer was, but um, so far it's been been quite nice actually. And and you know we're not drowning like you're in Colorado. All right, right. 
but everything is green. It is very green. Yeah. And um, so one thing I'm thankful for is that the rain helps with pollen season, right? Now I see my big, you know, ponderosa pines and everything in there or whatever these ones that have these huge, you know, buds on them that are getting ready to go poof and shoot, you know, yellow dust all over you. But, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it's great. It's great. Everything looks green. My flowers look nice. Um, so that, that's great. And so we don't have to worry so much about fires, you know, fires everywhere. I mean, gosh, between fires and mosquitoes and trying to keep your vets from vaccinating your dogs when you don't want to, what is this world coming to? I, I just, <laughs> I mean, we, how did we live as kids, right? We were running out there with, with the mosquito. I lived in Oklahoma, right? So very humid and hot and we had mosquitoes and we had ticks and we weren't like, oh my gosh, my dog has a tick. I got to run to the vet and you know, make sure he doesn't have Lyme disease. I mean, we, we, how did we evolve to this ultra pharmaceutical injected world? Yeah. Prop propaganda. That's propaganda. it. I started it. following um, a guy, uh, Mark Crispin Miller. Have you heard of him? I haven't, but I have now. Mark so Crispin. Mark, Mark Crispin Miller. And he um, was a professor at New York University, NYU, and he actually started teaching a course on propaganda uh, to his college students to let them know how propaganda works, how it's utilized, how powerful it is, how it shapes your mind, and just to educate them you know, about this. And it, he was, of course, canceled by the, uh, by the university. He's now suing New York University because of, for libel, for um, shutting him down and not letting him, um, you know, teach this class. He actually had a student, one of his students, I think, complained to the dean, I think. And basically they just shut him up, shut him down. Like, you know, you can't, you can't teach this stuff, but oh my he's, gosh. He is really interesting to listen to just because he talks about this whole really, uh, you know, brainwashing is what it is, but he's got some really interesting um, information. I just, I got an email that he's got a, um, he's interviewed by Naomi Wolf, who I also really like. And um, so I'm, I'll be excited to listen to that interview. I haven't listened to it yet, but um, that's, that's, what he talks about it. and it's this whole idea is how propaganda is used how powerful it is you know he he would you know talk about the whole covid thing how that was all propaganda but yeah i'm like i i i moved here to tennessee i'm not sitting around worried about every little bug i see there's more bugs big nasty moths and stuff but you know we're in tennessee you know there's bugs like so what <laughs> living in living in nature we've been taught to be afraid and i think that's what it is it's really it's, it's all the fear. You know, I, I heard it said that that was the, the true leading cause of death, like during COVID was fear, because that's yeah. what motivated people to get a vaccine that may not be in their best interest, get treatments that may not be in their best interest, stay away from loved ones, you know, isolate to the point of, you know, people becoming suicidal or alcoholic or drug addicts, because they're so depressed. That, but that was all fear. And that's what I, I, I think that all is. And, and I think if we focus on health, like our pets, you know, focus on good nutrition, 
healthy lifestyles. You know, we have these two outdoor cats and they're out running around there in the, in the woods and out in the weeds and everywhere. I mean, we don't, they don't, they don't come in the house. I do feed them. I feed them outside on the deck and then they go off and do their thing. I, I don't see any bugs on them or anything, you know, they come and sit in our laps and you know, like they're fine. Like I just thought they're not bringing in like terrible diseases from the woods. I, I really think a lot of this is, is just fear. I mean, I do know some areas have more ticks. Like people do find a lot of ticks on their dogs, but um, you know, try, try these natural remedies. Yeah. I might have to put that spray on maybe three or four times, five times a day, but isn't that worth it? I mean, you're saving your dog's life. Like how can that be an inconvenience? You know, right. I, I mean, I, you know, when you see what we see, but you're saving your dog's life, like <laughs> you can't manage to put some spray on it a few times a day. Like, you know, I guess that's your priorities. But like I said, I'd, I'd move to another state before I use any of that stuff on my pets. That's right. That's why you need to get over and see Dr. Judy Jasek at ahavet.com. She will help give you the confidence and the information to keep your pets as healthy as possible. That is ahavet.com. Remember all of our blogs, um, all of her blogs, all of our uh, podcasts are on her multimedia page. It's a great page. Go over there. There's so much information there. Um you will be a health guru if you just go through all that. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com. We will be happy to help you get your dog on a species-appropriate diet. Puppies, as soon as they're weaned, there is no disease that cannot be helped by a species-appropriate diet, all right? Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com today where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. We'll see you soon, everybody. Bye, Dr. Jasek. Bye-bye. Oh, snap. snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.